1 Thessalonians chapter 4 as we continue on with our study. By the way, next week, Dr. John Stead will be preaching from Deuteronomy chapter 6 on the law and the gospel out of the Old Testament. So we're excited for that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And really, folks, we're just picking up from last week. It's kind of a part two to our message on where's the love, man? As we get started, I'd like to just share briefly. I think in studying this passage, now I realize why my dad back in Minnesota days did not supply salt for melting the ice. He figured he had two young, strong boys that could go out and hack at the ice. I think of uh, little jobs like that. That that wasn't a little job in the uh, Minnesota winters. Um, even even around here, you know, there's times where there's all sorts of ice that's, you know, out there piled up. But nowadays, hey, just throw some salt out there, melt that thing out, and then sweep it away later on. But this was uh, one job that... Uh, not only took some diligence, but ca- uh, caused some little, you know, muscles to start building up in a uh, little Scandinavian's body here as a junior hire. And uh, it helps in understanding. Here's one of the ways in which uh, good work ethic was built into me. Uh, there's all sorts of, you know, everyone has an example here of that kind of a thing. You know, what your your mom or dad asked you to do and, and doing it and following through and, you know, demonstrating a, a, a job well done, right? Well, what does that have to do with uh, this idea of where's the love? Well, we're going to see that here this morning in our time. There's um, our little review here. It's in your outline. You can see what we covered last week regarding uh, brotherly love. The idea of love being divinely imparted to the church in regeneration and in relationship with Jesus. Then it's called upon that Christians diligently improve upon it through knowledge. We mentioned that last week. And then through the issue of meeting needs. That's where we, you know, just all come together with all sorts of examples again of... uh, demonstrating a love to someone in need. It's not a uh, necessity that it be something that you feel love for someone, but you just, you recognize a need and you meet it. Okay? So that's, that's what we went through last week. And here today, we come in with point number C, under number two, two C, that we can diligently improve upon brotherly love through growth in practical wisdom. And look at verse 11 and 12. And, there's our first key word in the verse, right? And, that means it's continuing on with this thought. We're continuing on with another aspect of brotherly love says, and to make it your ambition. Stop right there. Okay? You see that? Um, that's the little fill in the blank there in your outline. And to make it your ambition. Verse 11. And this word means, ambition means to love or seek after honor. 
it can mean to aspire or to endeavor. And it's something that Paul used in another couple of verses. You can mark it down. Romans 15, verse 20. Paul says, I aspire to preach the gospel to you. Okay? That's what he mentioned. Romans 15, verse 20. And then it's also used in this uh, a little bit more familiar verse in, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9, where... It, Paul is writing about this issue of uh, passing on from this life. He says, therefore, also, we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. So as you consider death, which at some point you've got to be considering death. You can't just think, hey, I'm going to live forever. The doctors are just going to be, you know, giving me meds all the time. No, at some point you die. And... The idea here is that the Christian's ambition is whether here or absent, you're pleasing to him. That's where righteousness comes in. That's why one of the reasons I read that statement, and by the way, that what I read is in our bulletin. Those are some of the things we want to supply to you through our bulletin so that you and I understand more about righteousness. The only way we can be pleasing to him is through him, his righteousness. And then we keep responding with trust and obedience in in him. So, but, you know, this thing about ambition, our natural ambitions, what do they tend to be? You know, we uh, think of young people, you know, encouraging our young people in moving on in life and having big dreams and all. Those are good things. But when the dream becomes making a name for yourself, right? (laughs) Rise above the crowd. Make some noise in life. Make a big splash in life. Those kind of ambitions are not exactly related to what we're talking about here. What is it? We see it here in the text. Okay? He says, make it your ambition, first one, number one, to lead a quiet life. Now he's going to get into practical wisdom for us about how to have a testimony that's clear to people around, people that are our neighbors, our friends. He says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. It's about having an inward calm. It's about having an aspect of quiet, a, a silence of stillness. I liken it to being content. When you're content, it's not like you have to have a whole lot of things, you know, that are offered in the the rat race of life, right? Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. You don't need to turn there, but if you want to, mark it down. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. The Holy One of Israel says, In repentance and rest you will be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. Now, he's talking to the nation of Israel there. But you as an individual, you can, you know, grab a hold of that and say, yeah, that's, that's, I want that true in my life. Quietness and trust in him is your strength. Remember what happened with uh, Elijah after the big, you know, thing on Mount Carmel with all the prophets of Baal. Comes down, he, he's praying. And it's in 1 Kings 19 where he found God to be at work, not 
in the strong wind. Not in the earthquake, not in the fire, but in the still small voice. Right? And see, we are uh, people that, (laughs) you know, yeah, we have uh, noisy times that we live in. Noisy kind of times, right? So the idea here in the next, underneath number one is don't be a noisy body. (laughs) Don't be a noisy body. Make sure you're taking time to quiet things down and have some peace and quiet in your life with the Lord. As opposed to the hurry, hurry, hurry system. Give me another five-hour drink. (laughs) Give me another shot of strong coffee. All those things, we got to keep going, right? Hurry, hurry, hurry. You know, we all, we, you know, it's like we say to the kids, get on board or get out of the way. I'm going. And it's just a little sign of the pace that you're on. And, uh, you know, God bless you moms. <laughs> you moms that, you know, the, the, the things that you, you know, in doing and, and helping raise the children you know, when dad wasn't around to help and you had, you know, 50 things to juggle and balance, you know, but everyone, everyone is called to this. We experience the noisy body syndrome because we don't say no enough. We don't say stop enough. We don't slow down enough. We have to learn to say this is this is uh, got to be a quiet time. And yeah, for reading the Bible, yes. But just in, you know, just in saying, I'm going to be quiet and still before God. His word, prayer. So, the more we allow the craziness to build in our lives, what happens? The more there's stress and, you know, craziness within. Mental and physical stress. Yeah, it comes to physical stress. You get sick. Things like that. So, what's needed is more of a, uh, an idea of the Sabbath rest with God, right? I know in, in our uh, times we, we say, well, you know, Jesus, he's our Sabbath. He's our Sabbath rest. We don't need to observe the Sabbath day, right? Well, right here, we're getting it from God's word. You know, lead a quiet life. And find your rest in him. Okay, so that's a, a portion there. There's there's some of those verses in Proverbs that you can look up later. Let's move on to number two. Um, make it your ambition to mind your own business. Oh, you ready? <laughs> the idea here in this phrase is to attend to your own business. Your business meaning that which is pertaining to your own life, your own affairs, your own dealings. And Paul, in the way he stated that, and the way he spelled it out, is implying that make it your habit to mind your own business. Robertson Word Studies commentary says this. Robertson Word Studies, great little rich book of uh, the, taking the meanings of these words. And the commentary on it is this. He, it's, he says, it's amazing how much wisdom people have about other people's lives. And so little concern over their own affairs. So now we've gone from don't be a noisy body to don't be a nosy body. 
right? It's about meddling. We get to meddling in other people's lives. There's a great uh, reference here. John chapter 21, verse 20. Let's take a quick look there. John, keep your marker in 1 Thessalonians 4. Look at John chapter 20. I'm sorry, John chapter 21. The very last chapter of the Gospel of John. Jesus is saying, you know, um, you need to follow me, right? And uh, when he had spoken this at the end of verse 19, when he had spoken this, he said to Peter, follow me. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back on the bosom of Jesus at supper and said to the Lord, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Okay? A very simple little uh, statement and interchange here, but my goodness, the volumes that it speaks to this very situation of don't be a nosy body. Right? Mind your own business. And and what? And follow the, the Lord Jesus. Right? Yes, certain... You know, oh, by the way, look at verse 22 while we're still there. <laughs> Jesus said to him, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Right? You follow me. So, and, and certainly God's word exhorts us to be concerned for our brothers and sisters. That's what we were talking about last week. Trying to look out, be alert to meeting needs. Be on the lookout for others in that way. But at some point, when you start telling others how to run their life, giving a running commentary to them, you cross a line into being meddlesome. You're meddling. You know, it's like we've got experts that uh, walk around in, in experts in the lives of others. <laughs> I know exactly what they need to do. But what do we do? What do I do when I do that? What do you do when you do that? We are really invading their space. And a lot of times we've said it before. You've heard it before. It's like we start acting like the Holy Spirit in their lives. Last I heard, there's only one Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. When the person is open to the counsel, great. But many people with their personalities are too welcoming, too open, too vulnerable to stand up to the type A's, the, the strong personalities. Right? So, yeah. Learn to mind your, your own affairs. And the implication here is stay at the task that you're to do. Stay at it. Along with that, number three is to work with your own hands. The word here, uh, work, is, is just a simple idea of labor. To make gain by trading, to acquire, to, to earn by working. And listen, people were built and created to produce. <laughs> That's what you were created to do. So here, the idea is don't be a, a no-good body or a good-for-nothing body, right? Remember, 
What was Jesus' occupation? He's a carpenter. He worked with his hands. Mark chapter 6 verse 3 talks about that. He knew of manual labor, working with his hands, of hard work. Right? And all of us, if we're, we can observe in this way. We we, uh, watch. When we watch, it's interesting to see who jumps in to help in a situation. Who jumps in to help to work with their hands and something? Others manage to get diverted from the work. And so, in this, how do we view work? Whether it's work when we see a need or work regarding our gainful employment. How do we see it? Even Paul, so as not to be a burden to any of the churches that he would visit, he would fall back on his trade, which was tent making, working with his hands. So, these these are three simple, basic things. I know there, there's nothing uh, incredibly profound with this, but it's interesting how we as a people get off base from these things. And so, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Mind your your own affairs, your own business, and work with your own hands. Learn that. And notice it's what he says there at the end. We're going back to 1 Thessalonians 4, at verse 11. He says, just as we commanded you. You do these things just as we commanded you. It's, it's, a, it's a command. So, remember now. Stay with me here. This is now the call about obedience. And can you and I obey? Can you obey? We all typically go, yeah, yeah, I can obey. But you know what? My tendency, I don't obey. Your tendency, you don't obey. You obey because of God's work in your life. God's grace, God's effective grace in your life. Simple kind of thing, but I mean, we expect everyone to, you know, do this, lead a quiet life, mind their own business, work with their own hands. That's what everyone should do, right? Yeah. Whose idea was that? Was that uh, Einstein's idea? I mean, he was a smart guy. You know, any, any other you know, great inventor? Was that Benjamin Franklin? Must have been his idea, right? You know, just, just tell people to do these things and they'll do it. I want you to see this, my friend. It's not your idea. It's not Ben Franklin's idea. It's not Albert Einstein's idea. It's God's idea. It's kind of like this. The rain falls on who? The just and the unjust. Got it? Simple thing. Not a difficult thing to understand the rain. It's God's special gift. It's, it's another of God's special gifts to you and me. Okay? And so it is here in this basic area of practical wisdom. It's God's idea. It's not some, you know, Stephen Covey leadership principle. No, it's God's idea. And that's why we want to impress this upon our young people. 
You say, well, that's not very deep. You're right. But it's supposed to be there. And through this, guess what? You can show brotherly love. Let's carry on. Okay? So we got those, those things out of the way. And make it your ambition. These three things. And then secondly, and make manifest or manifest authenticity. Where do you get that? We make it our ambition and we manifest authenticity. Okay, look at verse 12. So that, very important. Why is that there? So that, here's the result. So that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. Again, it's real simple kind of a pr- approach here. Real simple. But when you do this, connected to what's previous in this passage regarding God's will, regarding holiness in your life, yeah, regarding brotherly love, and now here's practical wisdom that attaches right to that brotherly love. People will look and say, well, they do their job. Look at that guy. Look at that woman. They do their job. They're faithful in it. I don't see them griping much. I don't see them cheating much. No, they, they're, they're there regarding work. And so, how do I show authenticity in my life? It's given right here. Number four in your outline is with a testimony of devotion to Christ. A testimony of devotion to Christ. The verse 12 says it. So that you will behave properly toward outsiders. How does Christ want you to live your life? Properly. Devotionally to Him. So that what you demonstrate on the job will be a reflection of what's inside. Jesus. I love my brother uh, Dale McCarter here. Dale McCarter uh, wears a hat that's got that little insignia, like uh, it's a computer thing, uh, a computer statement. I don't know what it is, uh, but he, it's changed on his hat to say Jesus inside. And that's the idea, is that not that it's, it's just that Jesus is inside and I'm happy and I'm forgiven And I'm joyful, but Jesus is inside. And guess what? How I live, how I conduct my life, how I walk shows Jesus is here. Okay? The idea when it says, so that you will behave properly. The word behave, it means conduct. It means walk. Either one of those words. So that you walk in a way that's proper. And the the idea of properly is a word that's in a becoming way in a decent way, in a respectable way. Some of you may have uh, caught Downton Abbey. Maybe not. (laughs) It's a show, you know, out of uh, England. And it's interesting to look at the characters and watch and see how the servants are when they're in the servant room. And how the servants are when they're out serving the hierarchy and the boss. And they're very respectable. And if they do anything out of line, they get called on it down in the servants' room. But upstairs, they're very 
prim and proper, right? And that's the idea that you and I will behave like that all the time. Why? Because Jesus is inside. You can't do it because you're just a nice guy and you were born in Minnesota like me (laughs) or like others. (laughs) Because we're all good guys. It's not about that. It's about Jesus. This is is what 1 Thessalonians is about. The gospel changing your life, even in the little things of mundane work, so that you will show a testimony of devotion to Christ. In other words, under number four, don't be a reproach for the cause of Christ. And it's regarding your job or anywhere else. Why? Because the testimony of Jesus Christ in your life doesn't have a, you know, oh, a turn off and turn on switch. Now I'm at work, so I better show I'm a real good Christian. Now I'm at church, I better show I'm a really good Christian. No! It's all the time. 24-7. Now, with that in mind, write down this reference and then turn to it. Romans 13, verse 13. Romans 13, verse 13. Because we're going to see a very similar phrase here. In this verse, Romans 13, verse 13 says, let us Christians, let us behave properly as in the day. Okay, so that everyone can see it, behave properly before everyone as in the day, not in carousing. Not in drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity, not in sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. See there? Those are the things you and I are supposed to do, right? We're supposed to do that. And we're supposed to stay away from those things and behave properly. Now, to get the point, you've got to read the next verse. What does the next verse say? But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. It's all, it goes back to him, my friend. It's about Jesus in you. You showing, here's Jesus being revealed in my words, in my attitudes. Here's my thought life that's about Jesus. Okay, there you went too far, Swenson. No, you don't understand. I got to think about what I'm doing at work. Yeah, you do. You got to be a good worker at work. But in it, saying, Lord, take my offering here of work. Take my offering and use it and spread it out. Use it and, and make, may it be a, an influence for your glory, for your kingdom, Lord. Even in, in little job that I do? Yes! Yes. Some of you are aware of Brother Lawrence and his little book. Okay? Um, lost the name of it. You remember it, Rick? Yeah, In the Presence of God. Yeah, that one. And, and he's, a, he's washing dishes and picking up stuff off the floor without any electricity back in those days. No dishwasher. Doing it by hand. Working with his hands. And he, he writes a book way back there in the 1500s that still is evident today and a testimony today showing a, a simple thing. You can glorify God no matter what you do. 
You might not want to stay a dishwasher all your life. Okay. Dream big. <laughs> so, Romans 13, 14. There it is. The, a correlation to what we're studying. And put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts. Now, remember that you are the only Bible. We've said this before. You've heard it before. You're the only Bible that a person will read. Let that sink in. You're the only Christian someone will ever meet. So what do they read? What do they see? And there are too many instances at work where Christian people display a very poor example. They, they basically are showing no devotion to Christ through their example at work. Why? Because they figure they, somehow they can get away with it. And then, on top of it, they still manage to just ignore it, like no one saw it. Or to act like it didn't matter to anyone. What does it matter? Come on, let's get on. So, the call here is for you and I, at work, to demonstrate this testimony of devotion to Christ. Okay? Respond to what He's doing in your life. He is not a... God who sleeps. He is God who is at work. He continues to work. And you and I respond to Him through what? Faith. Through trusting Him. And so that life, you know, in our testimony at work, you won't get muddied by a testimony that is saying, I'm just doing half effort here. You want the cause of Christ to be sterling, to be, you know, moving in a direction that's showing, you know, you're lifting up Christ. You're honoring Christ. And remember what we're to do? Lead a quiet life. Mind your own business. Work with your own hands. So, we come to number five. You manifest authenticity with a... Number four, a testimony of devotion to Christ. Number five, with a testimony of diligence. It only matters. I mean, it only uh, figures now in this. The testimony of diligence. Lives of working to earn your own bread. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what the Bible's talking about. Right here. And in other passages. Work to earn your own bread. The NIV, I, I like how that New International Version says this, so that you will not be dependent on anybody. So that's the idea under number five, is don't be dependent on others. Now, sure, there's going to be emergencies. Sure, there's going to be situations that come up where you need help from somebody, and so receive that. Receive help from somebody. Right? That's what... We're talking about with brotherly love. That you receive that help. Okay? We're not to be developing as Christians... I'm sorry, let me say it this way. Christians are not to be developing as parasites. (laughs) Right? You know, this is what we see in our country. There's problems. Yes, there's a need for welfare. Yes, there's a need for social services. Yes, yes, yes. 
but somehow it, the door has been opened up more and more and more to now we got perfectly healthy, strong, working people that aren't working. And they're receiving all the time in a, in a habitual way. I'm sorry, I'm getting down a rabbit trail. I don't quite want to go down right now. <laughs> but you get my idea in it. Listen, we've got young people that are seeing um, how life is now. And we need to help our young people and ourselves to not shy away from hard work. Do your best for God on the job. Now, I, I'm not going to say the person's name, but I, I, there's one person in particular, and I know there's many more, but one person in particular who is just using his employment in the right way as an opportunity to share the gospel. And he doesn't work in a church. He doesn't work at Child Evangelism Fellowship. He, you know, this here's, a, here's someone that just... You know, really goes after being there. Faithful all the time and being there all the time. And he's had God use him at work. And that's, if we can multiply that over and over and over again with our people. See, there's where the Lord reaches into the lives of unsaved people. They might... They might come to church and they might come to a Bible study. That's great. That's wonderful. Keep inviting people to church. But at work, demonstrate a devotion to Christ. Be a hardworking employee. Be the best employee, right? That's the idea. And through it, you'll be surprised at the opportunities where you can proclaim Christ through your work. And maybe that's at home, moms. Maybe that's at home, right? Not maybe, but definitely at home. Because you're wanting to proclaim the gospel through your life. It's a testimony of devotion, a testimony of diligence. And it's not about meddling. It's not about nonstop talking. It's about your good example. The... The common person who does a common job with the uncommon grace of Jesus makes a difference. Okay? And you and I can serve as a bright beacon, a shining light, and as salt being flavorsome. Okay? Having flavor with what you do. Did I make up a word? Flavorsome. Anyway, and so it comes down to working so you don't have to be dependent on others. And guess what? It, it comes across here initially like, okay, so that you don't have to be in need. But you know what the other side of this is? The positive side in it is you work and you earn your keep so that you can provide for others in need. Here's brotherly love. And you know what the church was back in the day? The church was the welfare. The church was the social system. And now we rely on the government. Think about that. How are we responding to people in need? And will they see Jesus? Look, 
the good Samaritan did not pay his bills for the guy that was attacked with his good looks. Right? And notice, think about this. The good Samaritan speaks today. His testimony still shines today. It's in Scripture. (laughs) Sometimes we just think too small, don't we? Here's here's someone who did a... he, He met a need. You and I, we can be alert as believers in Jesus to let Jesus shine forth in our lives and be watching, be looking, be alert. Okay? <laughs> okay. So, we wrap it up with this. Brotherly love grows through increased knowledge, grows through increased knowledge of God, Increased knowledge of who we really are. What we're called in the Bible. And then it grows by you and I meeting needs through the the help that Christ gives us. Meeting needs of those around us. And it grows through practical wisdom. Simple, basic wisdom of work. How would God grade your testimony right now? How would God grade your testimony at work, at home, here at church, wherever you go, in the marketplace? How would He grade our testimony? That's where a Christian must begin with their, quote, their job evaluation, their ministry, their life evaluation. Why? Colossians chapter 3 tells us who do we serve? Who do you serve at the school? My principal. My administrator. No, you don't. You serve God. You serve God. God's the master. God's your boss. You own your own company. You're not in charge. God needs to be the one. He's the boss. Right? He's our boss. So if He's your boss, what kind of job or track record should a Christian have on the job? If God's our boss, we want to honor Him and not be lazy, not be a busybody, not be a nosy body or noisy body, whatever. (laughs) We want to do our best. Why? Because God's watching. God's the one we fear, right? Your life and my life is a sermon daily draws others to Jesus or it pushes them off to other things. If I'm not careful, my sermon in my life could push people to look at myself. I'm the, the kind of in the spotlight and look at me. Look what happened to me. Look at my success. Look at my accomplishments. Well, we're off track there. We're, we're going off track from, from Jesus to me. Is there a comparison? You know, get, get real with that. Grab a hold of that and understand that. Let's lift up Jesus Christ in the basic thing of work. In the basic thing of the home. The only proper way for a shining testimony for Christ on the job or at home is through Him. 
1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 and 31. He is our wisdom. He is our righteousness. He is our sanctification. He's our redemption. And you can boast in Him. Okay? That's what we boast in. I close with this challenge from Ray Pritch. Or before I say that, I want to ask this question. I said it before. I want to say it again for the point here. Whose idea was it for you to be the person you are with the strengths you have and the weaknesses you have? Whose idea was that? You know, you didn't ask to be born. You didn't ask to be born. Was there anyone here that asked to be born? No, but you grew up and you developed interests and skills, didn't you? And, and you, you said, I, I'd like to be this. I'd like to do this. And some of our people in here are still wondering what it is they're supposed to do. See, God's at work. And when I look at my younger days, I'm thinking, God wasn't at work in that. I, it was a mess. But God is faithful, isn't he? God is good, isn't he? He's faithful, isn't he? He's good, isn't he? Yes, he is. And so build that in your mind, in your hearts, and help pass that along. And so here's the challenge I I close with from an author by the name of Ray Pritchard. He says this, What does the church owe the world? Answer from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. What does the church owe the world? To show that we've been sanctified. First part of chapter 4. We've been sanctified by Christ. We've been set apart by Christ for His glory. What else? Chapter 4. To show brotherly love. That's what we owe the world. To show brotherly love. Brotherly love with other believers and Christians. So that, And then it can spill over to those that don't know the Lord. What else? Our work. What we just covered. Show good hard work. With gainful employment. This is how you make an impact on the world. This is how you make an impact on our community. Asking God to use it for His glory. Okay? So, and this is an exhortation right before a very intriguing section in 1 Thessalonians. Do your work well. Why? End of chapter 4. Guess who's coming again? Jesus. Do your work well. It might be today. How will it be? Now, are you ready? Should he return today? Are you ready? Whose righteousness do you have to stand before God? Are you going to bank on your own righteousness? Or are you going to bank on the King of King and Jesus, His righteousness for your salvation? You can't receive His righteousness through good works, through trying, through, oh, I wish I would have gone to church as a boy or a girl. I w- oh, I wish I would have. No, no, no. You can never earn God's righteousness. And so the only way is through faith. The simple concept of faith in what Jesus did. Now you'll have His righteousness accredited to your account. It's imputed. 
That's the idea. It's the account system there with God and God puts the, the check mark on your name. Righteousness of Christ. There it is. There's no other way, my friend. No other way. Would you come to faith in Jesus Christ today? Would you put your faith in Him today and turn away from... Recognize sin is sin. It's an, it's an offense, an affront to God. And you are a sinner. Call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in Him. Put your trust in Him for your salvation. For your standing right with God. Do that today. Don't delay. Call upon Him right now. You can pray it. You can say it out loud. You can grab the friend you've come with or that you know and just say, I need to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And He he won't turn you away. He'll receive you. Put your faith in Him. Heavenly Father, please do your work that you are so famous for of saving wretched sinners like us. If there's someone here today, Lord, that has not yet come to faith in Christ, we pray that by your Spirit working and convicting them of their sin, that they would turn to the righteous King Jesus. We thank you for the, the strengths and the abilities that you've given to us as people. And I pray that you would please help me and each one of us to use this for your glory at work and at home and in the marketplace. We stumble and fall in so many ways. And we thank you for your grace and your forgiveness of us. You're working with us. You're walking with us. Thank you for the joy that we have when we're walking with you. We give you the praise. Be glorified in our day today. Thank you for this opportunity that we have of honoring you. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Okay, go out with joy. Serve the Lord.